Welcome to Bell Curve with Mary Scott, Rachel, and Liz, three friends, three Southern Bells, joining you, smart women, to discuss life, work, relationships, business, everything from the nerdy to the normal, the practical to the philosophical, the head to the heart. Thanks for joining us as we observe, analyze, and often deviate from the standard. It can be hard to know when to speak up and when to be quiet. Today's show deals with that question. We think it's especially hard for women to answer that question when it comes to speaking up or not in the workplace. Hello, I am Mary Scott Hunter. Welcome to Bell Curve. And I'm here today with my co-hosts, Rachel Blackman Briars and Liz Bashirs. For our listeners who are not currently working outside the home, maybe taking some time off to raise children or are between jobs, this is a good show for you too, because it's a hard subject, y'all. It's a really hard subject to think about when you are in the middle of it. Taking some time to consider the issue when you are not working outside the home will probably one day come in really, really handy. So to kick it off, I want to recommend a really, really good book, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And Rachel knows that book really well. She gave it to me for Christmas last year. And I it sat on because I am not a self-help book reader at all and so it sat on <laughs> I my am. bedside oh I am <laughs> I too no both of y'all are but I hate that word them. self-help I know I'm sorry professional or uh, personal development personal development self-awareness growth so I am not a reader of those kinds of books Re- I love fiction and that's what I read but I but it's but I, I got between books I didn't make it to the library and I thought ah, I'm gonna finally read this book and I did and it was really great. And Brene Brown goes deeply into this subject and, you know, within the context of her shame research. But I, so I we're going to put that book in the show notes. But this particular show today is about a particular part of that book. And that's the real tough question of speaking up or being quiet in the workplace, especially. Let's start with one of the most common situations, ladies. So picture yourself. You're in a room, maybe it's a, a room where you're filled with coworkers, or maybe it's a, a church situation where you're on a committee, or maybe it's a philanthropic situation, but you're working on a team and it's the kickoff or the beginning. And the dreaded question comes, why don't you introduce yourself? Everyone introduce yourself and tell the group a little bit about your background and what brings you to the team. All right, ladies, does this situation freak you out? Are you totally comfortable (laughs) with it? Or what do you do? What's going through your head? So for me, and as we discussed in a previous episode, I'm an Enneagram three. And one of the things that Enneagram threes struggle with is they want to be the person that the people around them expect them to be. So for me, I really need to get a read of the room or the situation for like, okay, which script am I going to pull out of my bag and say, oh, this is Amita who is here today. Oh, that is hilarious. So if you're a three and you happen to be to the left of the speaker and he starts, let's start here and just go around the room. It, it, that's like your worst nightmare. You need to yeah, get a- it can be. For me, I'm I'm so passionate about this topic. I used to teach public speaking in universities. And part of why I was so passionate about that is because there is no greater joy to me than helping other people who find this situation terrifying, find any kind of speaking terrifying, maybe have have a lot to give, but they can't find their own voice. 
giving them some tools to be able to navigate these situations is something I find so, so fulfilling. So to to me, this type of situation usually without work and growth would have made me terrified in the past. And I have come such a long way. And so I I do have some tips. Share away, please. Because the question is, does it freak you out? Are you totally comfortable? Or, you know, are you somewhere in between? Or, you know, are you like Liz? If I'm like the last person to go, I'm good. (laughs) But, But if I'm the first person to go, I'm totally wrecked. So no, give us some tips, Rachel. This is your expertise. Well, you know, if sometimes for someone like me, if you're the first person to go, you're relieved because then you can sit back and actually listen to what people say. But let's just say you're you're not. My first tip is to, instead of obsessing about what you're about to say, to carefully attend and listen to what is being said about the other people around the table. Get outside of your fears, get outside of your worries about what you're going to say, and really listen. Because that's actually the point of the exercise. I mean, it really stinks if everybody isn't listening to each other. And at the end, you don't know what anybody's name is. You don't know what they're adding to the team and you don't really know how you fit in because you didn't pay attention. And then this is important for people who struggle to find their voice. And it still happens to me a lot. And I hope it's encouragement to everybody that, you know, there are those out there who are great at this naturally. And you think that they must have spent a lot of time working on things like their little blurb that they say in front of people or public speaking. But there's those of us who have had to try really, really hard. And I like to compare it to if you were listening to somebody playing the piano and they were awesome at it. And then you heard someone, you didn't see who was playing the piano, but you heard someone else come up to the piano and they started playing and it did not sound near as good. It was, it was kind of rough. Like they got through the song and you were like, okay, well I understood it. But then you realized that it was actually a two-year-old playing that song. Like what would you think about the song then? You would be like, whoa, that was amazing. And I think for some of us, we feel like that two-year-old. We got through a speech and we, for who we are naturally, we knocked it out of the park. But if you're going to compare it to the person who's an excellent piano player, you'd be like, okay, they're not that good. Yeah. (laughs) So I want to encourage people who have done a lot of work. And so that's where some of these tips come from. If you find yourself sitting at the table and you're getting extremely nervous, just a very practical thing that you can do because your body might rebel against you, is to release some of your nervous energy by squeezing and releasing your hands in a way that people can't see that you're doing that. Because if you have hands that shake, it's because that nervous energy is going to come out through your legs and through your voice and through your hands. So squeezing your hands or squeezing an object really, really does help taking deep breath so that you actually have breath to project when it comes to your turn is important. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, try to take a minute, even even if you want to take a piece of paper and jot down what it is you're going to say, because that can help organize your thoughts. Because I really believe that when you open your mouth to speak in a group or in any situation, the first 10 seconds mean everything. There, people are going to sum you up by what you say in those first 10 seconds. And I think it's essential to build trust. I think you need to communicate warmth authenticity and competency. And the way you can establish warmth is just with a genuine smile, like you're truly happy to be there, you know, make eye contact with people. And then authenticity, you know, don't don't try to make yourself sound better than you are self promote, I think everyone can see through that. But you know, leading into competency, don't throw yourself under the bus either by apologizing for your existence, like saying, well, I'm just here because you know, my boss thought it'd be a good experience for me. No, (laughs) don't say things like that. And I think one way to speak to competency while avoiding self-promotion and, you know, building rapport is to say what you bring to the team by phrasing it as what you're passionate about. 
So like, for instance, you know, you might could say, hi, everyone, I'm Rachel Breyers. It's really a pleasure to meet you all. I'm very excited about this project because one of the things I'm most passionate about as an editor is supporting artists through the creative process. So I'm going to be the one with that editor's pen because I really love making sure that the project is as excellent as it can be. Really glad to be here. I think that's a little bit better than saying, you know, self-promoting yourself. Just phrase it in terms of your passions. People love to see passion. Well, that's a great segue to what I was going to say. Does this situation doesn't freak me out at all? It never has. In fact, I'm like, okay, let's go. You know, I mean, that's fine. But what that leads to, Rachel, is there's also risks for those people that are let's go kind of people. Let's let's get out. Let's do it. It, it. You might miss some cues about even if you have to go first, try to your best to size up the room. Try to really understand why you're there. What's your role? What's the role of the group? What's the point? What's the purpose? What's the mission? What are the what are the values of the group that you're working in? And and understand that understanding that don't don't try to be different than who you are, but understand understanding some of those things. Really try to will help you if you're a even whether you're a hangback kind of person or a let's go kind of person will help you to tailor your comments in such a way that you are adding value to the group from the get-go well you you brought up you just use the term add value and I mm-hmm. think when it comes to these let's just say meet not even just going around the room but having meetings in general I really believe you should ask yourself am I about to add value with what I'm about to say or or do I just want to hear myself speak Yes. And that's especially important if you're a kind of person. And I, I fall into this too often. I just, you know, cause I, I'll tell you what my rule is at the end, but a little teaser of that is that I tend to over talk. I'm, I'm a 10, I tend to be too out there so I can self promote and that's not good. You do need to understand what your value is and how you bring it and, and what an appropriate way to bring it is. I, I would say tips are, Start writing. I like to have a folio in that situation, a, a, a nice, some, you know, you can buy one at Target anywhere, but not your phone where you're taking notes because then it can be construed as you're, you know, you're on your, you're doing something else besides being committed to the group. But a folio, some, some way to take some handwritten notes because you can write people's names down as you're going around the room and people say their names, write them down. I actually, if the table is an oval, I draw a circle of an oval and I put little ticks where the people were sitting and I'll put a little, like they talked about something and I'll put a little reminder around them. So I can, because I don't know about y'all, some of you may be like me. I remember where people were sitting at a table and that's how I can remember their names and remembering names is so important. So do a little writing. It can also, if you're not the first person to go and people are starting to go and you're getting a sense of how it's going, you can write yourself a little outline about what you're going to say. And if you're a nervous speaker, then you can have a little you know, crutch, a little tool for yourself. Finally, speak loudly. And the reason why I say, even if you're you know, not a normally a loud speaker, speaking loudly helps with your vocal cords because if your vocal cords tend to shake, when you pass enough air over them, they can't. It's just a scientific fact. If you have a tendency for your voice to be shaky, passing enough air over your vocal cords, speaking loudly will help your voice not to shake. So definitely breathing, but then 
speak loudly. And that really does help in especially a room full of 10 or 12 people. If you're at one end of the table and you don't have a microphone, it's going to be hard for the person at the other end of the table to hear you. And the worst thing is when somebody at the other end says, well, you know, right after you said, hi, my name is Mary Scott. Before you're even done with it, they're saying, wait, ah, can you speak up? I can't hear you. (laughs) It just like ruins your, you you know, your Zen, you ruins your you know, your feng shui. So you're, so speak, speaking loudly, I think is another, is another good trick. Liz, before we move on, you have any tips? Y'all, this is so important for me to just sit back and listen to, because if the question is speaker, be quiet. I often err on the side of speak and that's not always a good thing. Have y'all ever, have y'all ever watched the office, the television show? Oh yeah. So one of, of course, you know, the main character for most of it is Michael Scott. He's the manager and he's kind of a goof. To say he's a goofball is an understatement. But there's this one scene in particular where he is being honored uh, for being the best manager in the company. (laughs) And his boss, the CFO, is asking him what, you know, how he how he has been successful. And he says this. My philosophy is basically this, and this is something that I live by, and I always have, and I always will. Don't ever, for any reason, do anything to anyone for any reason ever, no matter what, no matter where, or who, or who you are with, or where you're going, or where you've been, ever, for any reason whatsoever. And then it cuts to his talking head, and it says, sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way, like an improv conversation. An improvisation. And I feel I've fallen to that so much because Me too. I, I'm just I'm just sitting there and I, I'm so guilty of Rachel of what you were talking about before of of listening to respond instead of listening to understand. And that is just a real weakness of mine that I'm trying to be more self aware of and, and learn some of these lessons from y'all of how to to sometimes be the one who's being quiet and processing instead of being the one who's just, I'm going to start saying something. So I'm saying something and that my voice is out there. I read a book and I cannot find the author y'all. I Googled and Googled and it just bugs me when I can't properly attribute a source and I can't find this person. So I'm sorry, but this, I think she was a female CEO wrote a book and Oh, I love her advice. She says to pretend that if you're in a meeting or any kind of a situation where there's multiple people and you probably should speak up at some point, but you don't want to dominate and you don't want to go through the whole thing without adding anything is to pretend that you have two or three or four gold coins in your pocket and you are going to spend your comments like a gold precious coin and it's not going to be something extra. It's not going to be something you didn't think through because people are, they're forming their perceptions of you. Are you a time waster? Do you only speak because you want to hear your own breath? Or or are you here to actually add value? And so to really think, do I want to, is this one of my gold coins? Is this worth one of those two to five comments or like a really, really good prompting question that could also be a a gold coin? And that has been such good advice to me. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of kept me from just popping in with a half hearted or half thought out comment that I really didn't want to spend it that way. Well, I think this really goes to the, my next question is how, how do you decide to, you know, do you have a general rule do you, to speak up, to not speak up? Do you have, do you have some general rules for yourself? And maybe a good general rule that we would all recommend to our listeners is have a general rule to come into a meeting ready to add value. Yes. Is that, and sometimes that might be hanging back a little bit and listening Sometimes that you might have a lot to say that really genuinely adds value. 
but whatever it is, come ready to add value. It can be hard to know what to do. Brene Brown's book, I'm going to get back to that a little bit, The Gifts of Imperfection. And Rachel, I want to thank you so much for giving me that book because it really did have a profound effect on me. And a kind of a first cousin to this that I want to just kind of segue into for a second is authenticity. She talks a lot about the importance of authenticity, but also acknowledges that authenticity isn't always the safe option. You know, a lot of our listeners are going to be in professional situations, new situations, situations where being authentic would be the goal. You you, you certainly have to get there to, for a team to gel and for real work to be done. But authenticity might not be the safe option. It, it may not even be, is it even the best option at the beginning or at a point in time? So what is the role of authenticity, ladies, at maybe you know, at the beginning, after the team is gelled, what do we, what do we think about authenticity? uh, And in the context of, do you speak up? Do you be quiet? What's the, you know, what's the deal? I think that this, what this makes me think of is that if you are authentically feeling like an imposter, you don't need to share that. Everybody feels that way. Like if you feel like you haven't man, I can't believe I've earned this place at this table. Have I even earned it? Well, I'm just going to tell everybody why I don't deserve to be here. You might be authentically sharing your feelings, but you are doing them no favors because you need to build. Part of team building is trusting each other. So if you're undercutting your competency, here's something I think is really important. People will believe about you what you say about you because they assume you know yourself best. So if you are actually a really organized person, but you're like, oh, I'm so disorganized, or I'm always late, or I'm so sorry, guys, I'm not prepared today. Why do we do these things to ourselves? We sometimes say things that we're feeling or being authentic, but now people think that's who you are. So I would say when it comes to the self-criticism, please hold back. And and I'm telling that to myself as well. I remember one time when I was in graduate school, my speech writing class, I had a wonderful professor. He introduced me to somebody who might have been a very, very good connection for me at that time. And (laughs) he introduced me and I immediately launched into just some ramble about all the things that I didn't do very well in life. And I I never heard from that lady again. Why, Why would I? So that's my two cents about being authentic. You don't have to throw yourself under the bus. Do you think there's something gendered about that self-deprecating instinct of that, that women are maybe more likely to say, oh, I'm, you know, oh, I'm just so lucky to be here. Whereas men, whereas men are more confident, even if they're maybe unqualified to be there. Studies do show that men tend to be more overconfident, even when they don't (laughs) deserve to be. But I have come a long way in feeling that this is actually less gender than it is temperament and personality. Because I do know some men who, oh, they're so talented, but they qualify every statement they make. And so I, mm. I kind of have come around to think it's, it's more personality than gender. Liz, I wrote up a quote down that doesn't answer that question directly, but does kind of get at it in a sideways way. Brene cites research that shows that we associate being feminine. Being feminine tells us that some of the most important qualities for women are thin, nice, and modest. And she says that means if women want to play it totally safe, we have to be willing to stay as small, quiet, and attractive as possible. Oh, you know, I, 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 that makes me kind of like, hmm, you know, you know, that you don't have anything to add unless you're, you know, quiet, thin, and I don't know, attractive. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm none of those. <laughs> I've never been one to be quiet. I'm six feet tall. 
I mean, my husband thinks I'm attractive, but <laughs> y'all are both very attractive. Oh. I, I mean, I, I, I do. I think that's a part of it. I think, you know, some we want to, in a lot of cases, whether it's a personality thing or a gender thing, we want to play to the way so that people will think the best of us. And there are some things in society that say you look or are a certain way, so you need to behave a certain way. I think that the reason I asked us to do this topic is because I think that there's like just all this consternation out there about that moment. Now it passes and we, and it maybe isn't in every meeting every time, but I don't care if it's the first meeting or the 101st meeting. It just always, there's always a, how much do I say? How little do I say? How do I add value? What's the right way to say it? And that can be tied up in things like what Burnett and Brown's research is mostly geared towards shame. And, and that sounds terrible, but it really is a pretty good book. And, and I think that some, for some that can be tied up in image, like what she's talking about here. And there's just a lot of expended energy on what to do in that situation. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. I'm glad you did. I mean, there's something that I do want to add here that I think being authentic and being yourself, sometimes, let's say you are actually nice and modest and quiet. Sometimes I feel like we get encouraged to be not true to ourselves because we're women and we're not going to be quiet anymore. And if you're, and, and if you are that kind of person, then you can start feeling like that's not okay. So that's the other side of this is, Mm. um, you know, if you're dominant, loud, disagreeable, and an awesome leader, who can't bear to sit back and and be led, be yourself, there's a good chance that that is exactly what is needed in that group. But if you are a a follower, like leaders need followers, you know, if you're kind of naturally quiet, learn how to communicate the best side of yourself, but don't feel like you don't have to be yourself. (laughs) I remember going to a Girl Scout meeting with my daughter. We do American Heritage Girls now, but at the time she was in Girl Scouts and they were, the, the group was like busting gender stereotypes and they were going around the room and they were like, stereotypes say that most women are teachers and TV reporters. And they were like, they said to this one, yeah, they said to this one, you know, they, they said multiple things that were sort of stereotypically female. And they were like, and stay-at-home moms and cooking and like doing all these things that I do all the time. And they're like, they're like, so what? <laughs> they, yeah, so they went to this one woman and they were like, so what do you do as this mom? And she's like, I am a space engineer. And I, do, and I have, you know, she went off on her thing. And the other lady was like, and I do this. And they came to me and they're like, well, what career field were you? And I was like, I was a TV reporter and I used to teach and I'm a stay-at-home mother. <laughs> And everybody's face just fell because they were like, she's reinforcing gender stereotypes. And I'm like, I'm being myself. y'all. And by the way, you have a master's degree in journalism from Johns Hopkins University. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me cringe so much. Thank you for telling that story. But do do you all ever feel that way, though, that sometimes women end up feeling like, well, I guess I'm not okay as me. I, I just I feel like people who need to be the leaders, if they are women, be the leader. But if you want to be a follower, it doesn't make you less of a 
a, a strong, brave woman. Well, I like what you said earlier about being authentic. You do, you do have to be you, but you don't have to tell people your, your, you know, all your foibles, all your fears, mm. all your weaknesses. Don't, don't open yourself up to that. That's not necessary. I do think exercising a little bit of self care there, a little bit of protecting yourself a little bit in that situation is the right answer. So let's get to the last one. I want to, my last question, and I want to know what your personal, what your rules are, if you have one. I'm going to tell you what my personal rule is, and I would love it if you two would share with me if you have a rule about speaking up or being quiet. I did kind of a long time ago say, okay, I'm going to just decide generally which way am I going to go. I believe that my, for Mary Scott Hunter, now this doesn't have to be this way for everyone, but my default position, the, the position that I can live with uh, is that I think it's important to speak up. And if, if you're in a, if you're in a situation, if you're in a room where it, it's a professional, I'm thinking really of a professional environment, you're going around the room, either at the be- beginning and you're kicking off a a project or you're starting a new job or in the middle whenever the team has gelled or whenever, I just find it hard to understand how you can add value if you're one of the people that says, I don't have anything to say today, you know, and that's what you do every time. I think that you always need to have a little bit of something to say. I really do. Now, with that said, it needs to bring value. It needs to be thoughtful. It needs to be something that is helpful to the group or helpful to the cause or helpful to the mission and have a purpose. But I do default to, if you're going around the room, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be the longest speech. In fact, you probably, if you're, if you don't have a lot to offer that day, don't be, but always have a little something to add. Otherwise, how do you, you know, how do you bring value? How do you show that you're valuable? And I do think that, you can't be the blowhard. You can't be the guy that, you know, makes a joke, but good morning. Um, everyone, please remember this. We're going to be working on this this week and I can anticipate that next week we'll be at this point on the project. appreciate everybody's support. You know, it can be that quick, but something matter of fact that you can feel good about. Everybody loves when, you know, after, especially if you're towards the end and the meeting is drug on, everybody loves it when it's, it's short, meaningful, and just kind of gets a, a real important message across in an expeditious, efficient way. So that's my default position. That's that's where I go. And it has served me well. I'm not saying that that needs to be your position. I'm not saying that that's the best position. But I am saying that whatever, but kind of give some thought to this. And I said this at the beginning that you may not be working right now. Really good time to think about this. Because I really made this decision when I was out of work. I was not working. I was at home with my kids and I was thinking about coming back into the workforce. What's I thought about this question then. My current rule, and this really speaks to what I do for a living right now, and that's consulting, is that the people at the table need to know where I stand. That is not always a good thing. That is, you know, sometimes, and part of this is I am a verbal thinker. Like I process through things by talking about them. And sometimes that means I'd say the same thing several times, not because I'm trying to convince you of it, but because I'm trying to make sense of the situation in my mind. The downside of that can be coming across as a steamroller. The downside of that can be being repetitive and thus boring and people end up tuning you out. So a thing I really want to work on is 
listening to understand and only adding things that are valuable and saving that dialogue that I need to have to reason through things to a safe space. Yeah. So a safe place, either talking to somebody outside of the situation about it or writing it out to myself later. Um, My rule can probably be summed up by the phrase, be courteous. I think that captures a lot. So being courteous to me means that you come on time with a good attitude. And well, this is this here's, here's what I would really like to say. I tell my kids sometimes when they're complaining, or they're being negative, or they're talking about people, I'm like, I want you to imagine that the words coming out of your mouth either smell good, or they smell bad. And people have to if they are in your space, they're going to have to smell what you are putting into the air. Is it a fume or is it a perfume? <laughs> and so like for me, that means in a, in a meeting, if I'm going to if I'm going to say something, I want there to be zero useless complaining, zero trashing others or gossiping or, you know, someone's not in the room and I, I'm going to say a little snippy something about them. Zero rants or rabbit chasing or unprepared filler comments just to hear myself speak. And to me, that is being that is being courteous. So if like, if the meeting is supposed to be over, there's really no more time, I think it is uncourteous to bring up a whole new topic that's going to have all these do outs that people feel obligated to do not courteous. I think it's not courteous to what's that phrase, you know, better to be a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. So just (laughs) just say something just to say something. And, And so that that's mine. So I think the key that we've all said is that we got you got to bring when you speak you got to bring value and that means being courteous that means not being a blowhard that means thinking it through that means taking a few notes that means doing some things in advance to know how you're going to handle that situation and we hope that you've benefited a little bit today and we'll give this a little thought because i guarantee you it is going to help you in some situation really soon so with that we'll wrap it up this has been bell curve uh, with rachel and liz and me mary scott please connect with bell curve that's bell with an e like southern bell on facebook twitter instagram or pinterest subscribed on apple podcast android or wherever you get your podcast please leave us a review. We'll see you next time.